pray. Lord, you're good and you're kind, always, always pursuing us, loving us, forgiving us, cleaning up the messes, showing us your way. And I am so grateful. And in your kindness right now, I ask you to speak to us. Thank you for the way uh, faith, hope, and love are real and how you make those things real in us through your son, Jesus. I want you to be glorified. I want to honor your word. I know your people do. Lord, give us these great gifts this morning, please. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, those online on the Facebook uh, live stream, thank you. Those watching by our app, thank you. We need you. Please get ready to comment and take ownership of the text with us, okay? So casting a big net over three. Oh, oh my goodness. We need to give you a round of applause for this baby. Hello. Hello. Daniel and Ann are here in Redley. How awesome. What's it like being a mom and dad? You're tired, yeah. <laughs> and the old parents say, you don't know nothing. Yeah, you just wait. So, yeah, no, we get it. You're worn out. Oh, what a gift from God. So thank you for being here, Daniel. Thank you, Anna, little Linda. Uh, as I mentioned, casting a big net. Um, and we're gonna, I'm going to pull it all together in a summary, and I'm, I'm excited to hear how you're going to own this. By the way, quick commercial. People ask me, Chris, who do you go to talk to? And I say, well... I really have no one, is what I say. It's truth. And there's only so much I can say to Lisa before I drive her to the nut house. So, so, you know, I go to Jesus. Is that a good answer? I go to the Lord. Which is true, and it helps. But we need people, don't we? We need to talk to humans. And so they said, where do you get your encouragement? And I said, okay, I'll tell you. At Christ Church, when I say, Christ Church, this is the teaching of God's word, own it. This is when you guys pour into me. Thank you so much. It means, it means a great deal. Sorry, right, here we go. This, is, uh, this section's on Genesis 26, and this is the promise to Abraham reaffirmed in Isaac. Sounds pretty simple. I, I put it in green here to, to give you the emphasis. There's a famine, and Isaac's got to move. And in the process, the Lord appears to him and says, do not go down to Egypt. That sounds familiar. Stay in the land of which I should tell you. Live for a time in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and to your descendants I will give all these lands. And I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. And I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. And I will give your descendants all these lands. And by your descendants all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. God is telling to Isaac the same stuff he told to Abraham. God is busy. God is faithful to communicate this message because he wants, he's going to accomplish his, his purposes. Look at this. There's a story as he's moving to Gerar and they meet with some people. Uh, they're very unusual people, known as sea people, kind of a warring kind of people. Before the Philistines got there, kind of like the Philistines, they're just tough. How's that? These tough sea peoples. And Isaac is afraid. And he goes, you know what, Rebecca? You're beautiful. And I'm afraid that if they see you, they're going to they're gonna kill me so they can have you. So tell them you're my sister. Does that sound familiar? Does it sound familiar? That's exactly what happened to Abraham. So you get these two parallel stories that Abraham and his wife Sarah was beautiful. And Abraham said, if we go down south... They're going to kill me so they can have you. 
And by the way, the name uh, Abimelech, you'll see it here in just a minute, that's like a title. So there's multiple Abimelechs in the, in the timeline. Anyway, bottom line, stuff that's happening to Abraham is happening to Isaac. To Isaac. That's interesting. All right, how about this? There's a quarrel over the wells. And again, because Isaac is growing, his people group is growing so fast, the, local, the, the locals are saying, Isaac, you're scaring us, you need to get out. So he digs a well, and the locals say, nope, that's our well. They dig another well. Nope, that one's ours too. And finally, Isaac moves so far out on the third dig, they go, okay, you can have that well. In other words, they're pushing Isaac out. And Isaac's feeling the pressure of dealing with this stuff. And what's interesting is God affirms the promise again. I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. And I will bless you and multiply your descendants for the sake of my servant, Abraham. That's just beautiful. And Isaac starts to worship. It says he built an altar there and called, the name, called upon the name of the Lord. And he pitches tent. And there, Isaac's servants dug a well. This people group that's supposed to be as vast as the stars, it's getting big. And it's getting bigger. All right, next thing we're digging into here. The covenant with Abimelech. I told you about that that unusual dude. There was, there was a problem, little competing nations. Again, Isaac and his large growing family, they're a threat. So a covenant has to be made. What's interesting is that happened again, Edie, the identical thing happened to Abraham. So you've got the stuff that's happened to Abraham happening to his son. Look at Genesis 26. This is really interesting. When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, the daughter of Beeri, the Hittite, and Basemath, the daughter of Elon the Musk. I'm sorry, Elon the Hittite. You gotta stay awake, people. You, you gotta be alert. The daughter of Elon the Hittite, and they brought grief to Isaac and Rebekah. In-law problems <laughs> in marriage. In-law problems. Now your radar should be beeping right now. What what's your radar saying when you see that that thirty-four yeah, scripture, thirty-four and thirty-six? What do you notice? We got a problem. Yes. Give me more. Integrating what? Integrating cultures. Integrating culture. Yeah, let's keep digging because there's a lot there. Uh, here we go. Genesis 27. Now one of the most dramatic stories in the Old Testament. And that's when Jacob steals Esau's blessing. Okay. Uh, the concept of the birthright. Just so that you understand this. Uh, Jacob stole Esau's birthright over a bowl of red soup, red stew, all right? And now dad is on his deathbed. Isaac is so old. In fact, the scriptures say that he's, his eyes have grown dim. He's almost blind or nearly blind at this point. And he hears Isaac call in his son Esau and say, son, my days are numbered. I love the, the venison, the, the, the game that you, you bring. Would you please bring me one more meal before I die? And I'm going to bless you. So Esau says, Dad, I'm on it. He gets his bow and arrow, and off he goes. Meanwhile, Rebecca was eavesdropping in on that conversation. 
And Rebecca gets his son, her son, Jacob, the one she favored, and says, Jacob, we've got a little bit of time. Go get a goat. We're going to kill it. I'm going to cover you with skins, and you're going to go in, and you're going to steal the blessing of Isaac, the blessing spoken before death. And in Hebrew culture, there is power in those words. So I've got it in green for you. Now, Rebekah was listening while Isaac spoke to his son, Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game to bring home, Rebekah said to her son, Jacob, behold, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, saying, bring me some game and prepare a delicious meal for me so that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. God's watching that. So now, my son, listen to me as I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me two choice young goats from there so that I may prepare them as a delicious meal for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall bring it to your father that he may eat, so that he may bless you before his death. But Jacob said to his mother, Rebekah, behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will touch me. Then I will be like a deceiver in his sight, and I will bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, Your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go. Get the goats for me. And you know the rest of the story. She prepares the goats, covers him with the animal skins, sends him in to role play Esau. Isaiah, being nearly blind, feels the hairy garments of the hides and eats the delicious meat and believes it's his son. All right. Wow. By the way, hard question to answer is, was, was Rebecca acting out of the will of God or was she involved in a really sinful, deceptive behavior? Yes. <laughs> Did someone say yes? That's <laughs> great. Thank you. Nothing complicated at Christchurch. Okay. Look at this one. This is cool. I say cool. I mean, I'm fascinated how God speaks to me, but this is heartbreaking for Esau's sake. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried. Now, but Hebrew language is really intense. He cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry. And he said to his father, bless me. Bless me as well, my father. And he said, your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. Then Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob, the cheat? For he has betrayed me these two times. He took away my birthright. And behold, now he has taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? But Isaac replied to Esau, behold, I have made him your master. And I have given him, given to him all his relatives as servants. And with grain and new wine, I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Like dad saying, I got nothing left. Esau said to his father, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me. Me as well, my father. So Esau raised his voice and wept. Ed, what a scene, if you could put that on film. Wow. The intensity of the emotions, the brokenness of Esau's heart, that his brother 
robbed him of the most important blessing a man can have in Hebrew culture, the birthright blessing, and then the blessing of the father right before his death. From beginning to end, Jacob has done tremendous damage to Esau. Then his father Isaac, we don't know if the we don't know what happened, but he comes up with a blessing, and this is what he says: Behold, away from the fertility of the earth shall be your dwelling, and away from the dew of heaven from above, and by your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But it shall come about when you become restless that you will break his yoke from your neck. When you become restless, Hebrew, rude. When you become rude, not like our English word, how rude, not that, rude. It means to stir about, to, to be restless, to not have a place of peace. So Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Wow, how's that for family dysfunction? <laughs> it's getting more messed up each, with each paragraph. It's getting, it's just a mess. Wow. Genesis 27. Um, let's look at this here. 27 46. The years are ticking by. Rebecca said to Isaac, I think this is funny, but my sense of humor. And Rebecca said to Isaac, I'm tired of living because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife from the daughters of Heth like these from the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? I think that's funny. Okay, here's why. Jacob said the very same thing over the red stew. He said, you know what? I'm so hungry. My life is worthless if I don't eat and I'll die. And what good will my birthright be to me? Oh, I'm in this terrible place. Go ahead. Have my birthright. Give me the soup. That's exactly what his mom is saying. These daughter-in-laws, they're driving me crazy. Oh, what good is my life? I have no reason to live. You know, how's that for getting to a point of just exasperation? That things become hopeless. Okay. That's what's going on. I love this next section, chapter 28. Jacob encounters Jehovah. Th to me, this is another fascinating thing about faith. Jacob got up early in the morning, took the stone that he'd placed in support of his head, his pillow, and set it up as a memorial stone and poured oil on its top. Then he named that place Bethel. But previously, the name of that, that city had been Luz. Jacob also made a vow saying, watch this. If God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take and give me food to eat and garments to wear and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. Does that sound like a good, healthy faith to you? <laughs> it's like the deceiver's cutting a deal with God. And he's just like, okay, God, all right, I had a little encounter with you. Here's the deal. As long as you do everything that I say, okay, you'll be my God. Do you think he had choices? Were there other options, other gods? Were there other gods? Absolutely. Absolutely. Lots of gods. Lots of local, national, regional gods. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lots of gods. And so he goes, okay, well, here's the deal. You do what I want, 
You'll be my God. And what's interesting is God is not upset with that. God doesn't seem to chide him for it. All right. Uh, revenge marriage. Does anybody know about revenge marriage? Have you ever heard about that? One way to get your parents is marry the wrong person or what they think is the wrong person. Now Esau saw that Isaac had been blessed or had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram, this beautiful open plain, to take to himself a wife from there, ah, just like dad said to do. And that when he blessed him, he commanded him saying, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padan Aram. So Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan displeased his father Isaac. Ra. Displeased. Ra. And Isaac went to Ishmael and married, besides the wives that he had, Machalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nabaoth. Guess what he's doing? He is intentionally marrying the very people that Abraham said, don't marry. Don't do that. I want you to go to our homeland. I want you to go to our relatives and marry out of our tribe. Do not marry any of the women around Canaan. Revenge marriage. Now, when you skip ahead to chapter 36, you get this comment. Now, these are the records of the generations of Esau. Esau took his wives from the daughters of Canaan. How important was that to Abraham? It was really important. And he passed that on to Isaac. And Isaac passed it on to his sons. Jacob honored Isaac's command, and Esau did not. All right, you ready, Christ Church? How are we going to live this out? Here's some observations, and I want you to get ready to own this with me. Okay, ready? Number one, a good dad and a good mom help their children fight the good fight of faith. The battles common to a Christian mom and dad in all likelihood will be the very same ones their children face. The stuff that Abraham was dealing with and he had to face, that happened precisely to Isaac. Dads, the battles you face, your sons are going to face. Moms, the, do- the battles you face, your daughters are going to face. Okay, Parents, take the time to talk with your kids and teach them about this life, this culture war that we're in, and the spiritual war that we're all in. Talk to your kids. Train your kids. Don't farm that out to a school system. Don't farm that out to a staff member. Don't farm that out to some parachurch organization. You walk with God. And you train your kids to do the very same thing. Because your battles are going to be their battles. All right? And by the way, when you get a church full of people that are all agreeing to fight the battles like that, wow, that's an awesome church. That really is. Number two, Jacob honored Isaac's command to find a wife from Abraham's homeland. Esau did not. I've already mentioned that. Um, Esau married from the Canaanites out of a spirit of revenge against his father Isaac and possibly his mom, Rebecca. Okay, you ready for some wisdom? Just because we have parents who are human and make mistakes and sometimes even terrible sins doesn't mean our parents are always wrong. Can you appreciate that? Just because our parents do some really, really unhealthy things 
maybe terrible sins or, or, or just normal human mistakes that moms and dads make, doesn't mean they're always wrong. In other words, Esau should have honored Isaac and married from the homeland, even though Isaac failed him as a dad. Even though Isaac blew it, he, I don't know, maybe there could have been some vision assistance validation committee that he could have called in from the local group and said, would you please verify this is my son and we need an authorization and a chain of custody for these documents so I know that's exactly the firstborn who deserves the blessing. Sure, we can outsmart it, we can second guess it, we can say, well, he should have done this, he should have done that. Sure, sure, sure. Isaac blew it. He was deceived. Moms and dads make mistakes. But just because they do, it doesn't mean they're always wrong. Okay, here's some wisdom. You ready? Imagine the pendulum. This is the sweet spot. We like this spot right here. And the pendulum can swing way over here into all kinds of dysfunction with mom and dad. You know what's common with the children do as they react to mom and dad's dysfunction? What do they do? They say, well, I'll never be like that, Edie. I promise, oh, I don't like that. It, the pendulum comes back, and they end up doing this. And in doing this, Edie, they're just like mom and dad. <laughs> okay? And Jesus says, let's stop right there. Let, can, we, can we at least find that spot right there? Let's put it right here. This is where the sweet spot is. Okay. Exodus 20, Leviticus 19. The scriptures are clear that God calls us to honor our father and our mother that it may be well with you. There's something mysterious and healthy and beautiful when we learn to honor mom and dad, even when mom and dad aren't perfect. Okay? It's important. Even in the mess of sin and family dysfunction, God continues to fulfill his plan to bring the Messiah. God wasn't playing hide and seek. He continues to affirm his promises. That, that gives me hope. Uh, Jacob, it's interesting, Jacob encountered Jeho- Jehovah and comes at him with a pretty immature, pretty selfish faith. And God doesn't shame him for it. I think God wants us to know him and God will take our small steps as long as we're going toward him and not away from him. God, God accepts faith even when it's broken and immature. All right, just a few more. Sin in any generation causes dysfunction and damage, okay? It's just, it's just a mess. Um, this is important. Number six, breaking the yoke from our necks is all about the gospel of Jesus. You know, for all the suffering and the horrible things that, I, uh, that Esau went through at the hands of his brother Jacob, when Isaac blessed him, he said, when you become restless, rude, when you become restless, you're going to break the yoke of your brother off your neck. In other words, Isaac is saying, there's going to be a way out. I know, I know the first blessing included Jacob dominating you. I know that. But there's a way out, and you're going to break out from under that yoke of slavery to your brother. That is hope. Okay, so here's a great question. What's your yoke on your neck, on my neck? What is it? Is it the work of Satan? Is it a sinful habit, an addiction? Is it a boss, a family member? Or is the yoke on your neck, my neck, self-imposed? 
What is it? Whatever it is, God wants you to be free. He wants you to know what freedom is and to walk out that freedom. Galatians 5.1 says, It was for freedom that Christ set you free. Do not submit yourself again to a yoke of slavery. How did Esau break free? That's a great question. How did he do it? How did he break free? And God sees things we can't see. Got to have faith. Got to have faith in God. What is God seeking to protect you from? That's a great question. All right. Here's the summary. It's all right there for you. By the way, um, regarding the marriage, the issue of revenge marriage and Esau intentionally marrying the Canaanites. Did you know that as the bloodline continued, Jacob has how many sons? Twelve. And they become the twelve. Jacob gets a name change. What is it, Edie? Israel, the one that God fights with. Israel. Israel now has twelve sons. They become the twelve tribes, the twelve sons of Israel. That becomes the nation of Israel that gets enslaved in Egypt through more deception. Right? The Egyptians enslaved them. And then a little boy is born named Moses. And Moses sends Israel back. And what do they do with the people of Canaan? The very ones that Esau was married to. They were not redeemable. They were not redeemable. Um, I know it's, it's, it's awful, awful nasty what I'm about to tell you. But let me just tell you how unredeemable they are. The people of Canaan, they worshipped horrible pagan gods. Horrible. Which included child sacrifice. These are wicked people. And that's why Abraham said, do not marry any women from this country. Don't do that. Esau and revenge in bitterness. Well, mom and dad didn't do a whole lot to take care of me, so I'm going to take care of myself. I'll show them. I'm going to go marry Canaanite woman. And God says, "Mm, I see things you don't see. I know what's coming when Moses takes them out. I know Joshua. I know the army. Don't do it. God sees things we can't see. All right. You are the gifted body of Christ. We cast a big net over three chapters and pulled some really amazing stuff out of those three chapters. You are the church. How is God speaking through you? So that it's as though the Spirit is speaking through you. The very words of Jesus are coming from you. How do we do this as a church? Why is it important? What do we learn from these stories? The great stories of our faith. You're the church on this thing. And, and those online on the app, text Stephen or those who are on Facebook, please comment. We need to hear from you. And this, just, this just takes me back to God's ways are higher than our ways. And we do not understand his ways because even in all that deception that took place for Jacob to get that blessing, the bloodline was preserved yeah. in that. And then I was thinking too, you know when when Jacob made his little 
so-called deal with God, I thought, I've been there. Not, not that I was making a deal with God, but I didn't know what, what trusting God looked like in a certain situation. It's like people are going, you just need to trust God. And I'm like, I don't know what that looks like here. I've never had to trust him here before. Yeah. And I, so I just kind of, and, and God knows that. He knows our heart. He knows when we're really striking a deal with him. And when we really are going, God, I, I just, I don't know how to have faith, and I need to see your faithfulness. Yeah. I think God's okay with that. Yep, he wants us to know. Someone else, why does this matter? And St- uh, Stephen, who's online? Okay, all right, gotcha. Um, I think one of the things is, is we, sometimes we might wonder if we could be useful to the Lord. <laughs> you know, we would say, well, I've done this, I've done that. And you, you start looking in, we know the end of the story, because we have the book. Yeah. And we know the end of the story, but you, you Start working backwards to the story and see the people God uses. And Jesus was from what tribe? Judah. Judah, what did they want Judah? He was a wonderful guy. No, he wasn't. <laughs> he wasn't a wonderful guy. Yeah. And then, you know, you get into the rest of his story, and then yeah. it's just all you say, well, and, and these deceivers and liars and cheaters and, and all that, God used them. You know, he used them, so he can definitely use us. Yes. Yeah. Chris. Yes. Well, I don't know. Maybe you wanted to respond before I said something. So. Thanks. <laughs> that was good. Wish I'd said that. That was so good. Michael. Um, I am still in awe thinking about how God honored all the blessings and everything that went on, even though it was done in uh, deception and I think it finally hit me because I know I was talking about this two weeks ago it's like why would God honor something that obviously was done so against his character and it actually ties in with a conversation I was having with Jonathan yesterday about the authority that God has given me to be his parent and that means that when I tell him to do something, if he's disobeying, he's disobeying God because God gave him that authority. So it finally made the connection that God gave, um, gosh, I just forgot the, his name. Isaac. Yeah, <laughs> God gave Isaac the authority to give those blessings, to make those decisions, even if they were an error. Um, and he does that with us. We have the authority that he has given us over this earth. And he will honor those decisions and those things that we say, even if it goes against his character. And I think that says a lot for his character because he is willing to honor that. Yeah, yeah. Isaiah 55, my word will go forth and it will accomplish the purpose by which I sent it. Nobody is God's counselor. When he speaks, it happens, right? So, Leonidi, you're right. He can take the mess of our lives and our families and the genealogy, and he uses broken people again and again and again. People that we think are not qualified, he uses. Do you clean up before you take the bath? No, it's called grace. Yeah. That's why he gave us Jesus. Okay, Stephen. 
Yeah, Philip Deere quotes out of Matthew 12. He says, while he was still speaking with the crowds, his mother and brothers were standing outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, look, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to the one who was speaking to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Stretching out his hands toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Philip says that spiritual spiritual family can restore you and provide spiritual well-being as opposed to broken immediate family. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Philip. Thank you so very much. Okay, you ready? This is we're, we're going to get real serious. Number seven, answer that question. Mm-hmm. When he saw Randy and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and lifted his eyes and saw him So what's the answer, Andrew? Now this is the guy that got bitter, revenge in his heart, and he said, I'm I'm holding a grudge, and as soon as the days of mourning are over, I'm gonna kill. How powerful is forgiveness? How powerful is love? And Isaac, perhaps he had no idea what he was saying, and it was the Holy Spirit in him, said, when you become restless, you're going to break free from the yoke of your brother. Maybe what that Hebrew word rude means is that when you get tired of holding your grudge, when you get tired of the price tag of bitterness and a spirit of revenge, and you learn the secret power of forgiveness and love, then you break free. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Someone else, why does this matter? Anybody? Number nine, don't answer. Don't answer, unless you really want to. <laughs> what is God seeking to protect you from? What if he sees things you don't see? What if he does? What if, what if God sees that there's some difficulties 5, 10, 15, 20 years out, and if you could just learn the secret of honoring your mother and father, if you could just learn that secret, by the way, honoring imperfect mother and father, if you could learn that skill, you're going to save yourself heartache for the rest of your life. But if you don't, and you take on the spirit of Esau and become vengeful and bitter and grudge grinding, you're setting yourself up for 50 years of misery. What do you want? God sees things we don't see. Love is patient. Love is kind. Jenny's. Until we break them. Then right, we right. see the heartache. So, in my mind, regardless of how much we want to do something a different way or we want to do it our way, yeah. we would be wise to follow God's law. Yeah, it's so good. It's kind of simple, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Okay, anyone else on why this matters and why we live with that? Joe, and, and then. And you. Yeah, and, and a lot of times it's going to look 
saw, I'm sure, expected. All right, I'm gonna get the blessing. I'm gonna be primary. The line will continue through me. Uh, that's how this works. Gets upended, Shanghai. Uh, but guess, I guess probably his anger is justified there because he thinks now, all right, my entire reason for being is gone. My point is the firstborn was to carry on following the bloodline. Yes. And and the property and all that stuff. But he didn't get it the way he thought he was going to get it. But Esau ends up being the father of a pretty big kingdom, Edom. It was at various points a thorn in the side of Israel. So to speak. And I was reading a bit ago, some rabbinic tradition traces the Romans back to Esau. And thereby proxy both most of Europe and the uh, vessel through which Christianity went to the rest of the world. So if that's accurate, he ended up being pretty big deal, you know, <laughs> and didn't have the way he was going to think it was going to happen. But it, as it turns out, God works in ways we don't understand. So. Romans eight twenty eight. Man, can he clean up a mess? Yeah. Wow, wow. Uh, yes, Gabe. Uh, on question number nine, I think it's more of ourselves. Yeah, that's good. Sometime we're our own worst enemies. Yeah, yeah. How about this about Esau and, and the revenge, the grudge grinding kind of mindset? Isn't it interesting when you hold a grudge, it's almost as though you're going to drink the poison and expecting your enemy to die. You drink the poison and hoping they're going to die. And how silly that is. Absolutely silly. Let me read from, from Paul's words to the church at Colossae <coughs> Bear with one another. Forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Jesus said this in, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not, lest you be judged. The standard by which you judge others will be applied to you. Why would you say to someone, behold, there's a speck in your eye when you have a log in yours? First, remove the log that is in your eye, and then you'll be able to help your brother with the speck that is in his eye. Treat people the way you want them to treat you. Forgiveness is powerful. And Gabe, that includes the skill set of learning to forgive ourselves, also the skill set of forgiving people who have hurt us. These are critical skills. And when that happens, when we have a spirit of forgiveness, wow. A lot of yokes are broken. A lot of bondage is broken. So you all have done so well. Thank you all. Someone else? Anybody else? Yes, Andrew. Beginning and end. There's a repeating theme here. Yep. Seriously. And it makes total sense if you're in an honor shame society to be completely on Esau's side. Yeah. Yeah. 
depth of mercy that's honestly just beyond us. I don't, I haven't come away the last few weeks of these stories. I haven't come away thinking that our patriarchs are amazing people. I've been, I've been much more honestly able to identify with Esau and them and to, and to think about that and to think about the older brother. Yeah. And I Yes, Andrew, you get it. Yes, that's it. It's grace. And that's why the gospel is everything, because it's about grace. Thank you. Thank you. Sonny? I'm going to build on that, because I remember the first few times I read through Genesis, and I think my process was, and at first I wasn't a believer, actually, so the very first time I read through but my process was, gosh, these people are horrible. And, you know, I started looking at them engaging their sin and ranking their sin and all that. But then as you read it and you reread it and you start to see, oh, that's me. Oh, look at his grace. Everything points to Jesus. Every verse points to Jesus. When you go back and read it through that lens. Yeah. Oh, these, I, I'm, like she said, I'm no better than Esau. I'm no better than, yeah. than Jacob. And it's a line, Jesus' line is just full of dysfunction. Yeah. I mean, yeah. seriously. Really? So you think it's yes. not supposed to be. You think, oh, they're yeah. preserving all this family line, and it's because it was such a great thing. It's not. Yeah. It's full of yeah. sinfulness. Yeah. Just like we are. I remember when I first read the Ragamuffin Gospel years ago, Sonny, by uh, Brendan Manning. He's, he begins by saying, if you think grace is for the, the spiritually muscled, the spiritually good-looking, these perfect, flawless people, you are wrong. It's for us broken <clears throat> ragamuffins that, that need grace. Um, thank you all. Thank you, Andrew, for what you shared. By the way, a comment about Rebecca. I know we want to go, ooh, that little sneak. <laughs> Jacob's just like his mommy. In fact, I bet that's where he got it from his mother. <laughs> you know, can you see it? That'd be a great small group discussion. You know what else? That may be one of the most discerning women in the Old Testament. But she had a 40-year argument with her, with her husband because she'd been told by God Almighty that the younger was to serve the older and, and Isaac would agree. Ain't that something. <laughs> Don't sell Rebecca short. She may prove herself to be one of the most brilliant people in a last second, you know, 11th hour moment making a decision that honored the promise that God made to Abraham. Yeah. Yes. I just read um, Isaiah 55, and over our sins that we have made, we have been noticing that we have been trying to get higher than Jesus for our sins. <sighs> you are wonderful. Do you know that? And you know what I can tell about you? You have a heart for God. And I think that is beautiful. Behold, from the mouth of a child, wisdom has been spoken. Because, my dear sister, this is what we've been doing all along. We try to create this idea that we are smarter than God. We're higher than God. We get higher wisdom than God. We've got a better perspective than God. And, and we love taking matters into our own hands. I'll show them. Oh. That's why number eight is not fun. 
Yeah, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank it's you. Like, I'll show him I'm better. Exactly. Exactly. And I think your mom and dad are wonderful too, by the way. So, you guys, this has been so good. George, I think you're going to say something. Um, I was wanting to mention because my mother and I have studied this story a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was thinking about Yep, there you go. There you go. Even though our parents make mistakes, it doesn't mean they're always wrong. It's good to honor God. Um, Stephen, anybody else online? Okay, this has been so good. Now, there's some, there's some critical assumptions that right now that we as, as broken people, flawed people, no better than Esau, are going to get to sing songs about the love and the mercy of God. And that is a gift. Get your heart ready for that. Let me bless you and pray for you. Father, thank you so much for each person that's here. Philip and what is shared online. Abba, Father, we are no better than Esau. We are, are guilty of all, just like all of these characters and stories. And yet here we are. And we come and we bow in our hearts before you because we are unworthy servants. And you've given us grace and mercy beyond anything we could imagine. We want to worship. We want to say thank you. We want to offer praise befitting to who you are. I'm asking for this grace now in Jesus' name. Amen.